Hello, hello, and welcome to the Holistic Fitness Podcast, where you'll learn how to get your goals without burning out. I'm your host, Lori, and this show isn't just about movement and nutrition. You probably already know that exercise and nutrition is important for your mental and physical health and well-being. It's also about stress management, mindset, shedding those limiting beliefs, and working through some of that childhood trauma while you're at it. Today, I'm joined by Carly Fleischer. Carly is a strength and conditioning coach in the South Bay of San Francisco, and this year she launched an online coaching company called Moxie Barbell. Moxie Barbell exists to help you strive towards the healthiest version of yourself and build habits that excite you, help you grow and reach your goals. Her coaching style focuses on building confidence in the gym, establishing non-restrictive nutrition habits, and building a growth mindset to help clients push past obstacles. She's most passionate about helping people find the version of fitness that they're excited to incorporate into their lives. Her coaching style is super holistic, and she speaks to deep health, which was super interesting for me to hear about. We also talk about why fitness should look different for everyone and some principles that you can use to tailor fitness for you and how to build a sustainable and enjoyable nutrition plan. I personally love chatting to Carly and I'm super excited to share this conversation with you all. Hey, goal getters, just chiming in quickly to say that if you like this podcast or have found any sort of value while listening, I would love it if you could help me out and give this a quick rating or review wherever you listen to the Holistic Fitness Podcast. Five-star reviews help this podcast get in front of other listeners who could benefit from the actionable tips and insights. If you want to help get the message of balanced fitness out to the world and help others get their goals without burning out, then please take five seconds to give this podcast a five-star review. Keep shining. How are you going today, Carly? Hey, Lori. I'm doing great. How are you? So good. I'm so, so stoked to have you here. So a lot of the listeners won't know that Carly and I actually worked in corporate America together. So sure did. <laughs> and we've done the opposite thing. So I was like a full-time personal trainer, kickboxing coach, hit coach, all the things. And then I moved into tech when the pandemic happened because I lost my primary source of income three times. I moved it all online. Things were different. And Carly did the opposite thing where you were powerlifting, you were studying your personal training polls, and we were working together in corporate America and you actually left to be a strength and conditioning coach. So I just find yeah. that so cool. <laughs> no, it was you, I think, had a little bit more like gumption to go after what you like originally thought right out of the gate. I am somebody that is like super risk averse. And my whole life, I was like the textbook straight A student, went to a really good four-year university, followed the exact plan that I thought that I was supposed to do that would like magically equal success and happiness. And then I got there and it just did not equal all of those things. And after jumping from like job to job to job, I was like, hmm, I think it's time for me to actually do the thing I know in my heart of hearts that I want to do. So it's funny how we've kind of ended up in similar places, but like very opposite trajectory. Yeah, that is insane. And I love that you found the thing that you, you know, and I obviously have as well, but I'm not doing it full time at the moment um, because I do love being a corporate girly as yeah. well. Like I love leading teams and stuff like that. But I just love that you are where you are now. And you've almost alluded to it, but I always love to start the podcast with when you move into this field when you, where you're wanting to help others, it's generally yeah. because you've been on your own sort of a journey. Can you give totally. me the context that any listener would need to know to know why you help people in the way you do today. 
Totally. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll take it from like a multifaceted approach. So there's definitely a huge physical component, but similarly, there's a really big mental component of it as well. So I'll go into a little bit. So what I alluded to earlier is that I'm a pretty risk averse person. I've always done exactly what I thought that I was supposed to do. And I'd be lying if I said that it didn't lead to like a lot of confidence issues in myself. Mm -hmm. I always had a lot of imposter syndrome because I never felt like I was exactly where I was supposed to be. I was like trying to fit a mold of what I thought I was supposed to be doing. And so I just never felt like 100% good about where I was at. And a lot of that played over too to like confidence in my body. Um, I was somebody who growing up was super athletic. I was a competitive gymnast. I played soccer and softball and tennis and like was always outside and really active. But, and I think this is a really common story. When I stopped playing competitive sports in like late middle school, early high school, I kind of lost all of the parts of fitness that like felt fun and enjoyable. And Mm. I stopped moving my body because I wasn't in organized sports. And then I didn't really feel like myself. And it wasn't until college that I kind of like got back into and I was like, okay, I need to like actually get into the gym. But again, like so many women, I went to a college gym, which was dominated by college male athletes. (laughs) And I didn't know what I was doing. And I was really panicked and assumed that everybody in the gym was like, judging me and watching me have no idea what I was doing. And I did a bunch of HIIT workouts in the corner and like didn't make very much progress with my body, didn't feel really good about myself, felt really lost about where I was with nutrition. And like that just kind of exacerbated all of those like confidence issues that I was feeling. Um, And so then it wasn't until I met Michael, who's my now husband, but he was my then like best friend and eventually boyfriend. He -hmm. got me into actually strength training and I had some confidence to like go and actually squat for the first time because he was there and I was like, oh, nobody's going to fuck with me if Michael's here with me. So it was (laughs) fine. And yeah, so it was then that then I like, totally fell in love with strength training. And it was learning like to focus on what my body could do instead of the way that it looked. And that was like the biggest mental shift in the world for me of like, wow, like I can squat 225 pounds, not wow, I can fit into those size small bottoms or anything Mm. like that. And um, yeah, it, it did kind of spiral out of control and I fell into powerlifting and all kinds of other things. And my world kind of immediately became about all things strength training. Um, But again, it still wasn't something I ever thought I was going to do actually professionally. I was still like very much in my corporate America box, but I just like wasn't happy. And it took me jumping from four different corporate jobs of like not loving sitting behind a desk all day and then eventually like some friends started reaching out and being like, hey, can you coach me? And I was like, I guess, like, sure, let's give that a try. And uh, I just loved it. And um, I have always been a pretty empathetic person and somebody who just really cares a lot about others and seeing how much it impacted my own personal journey and my own confidence and also just like how I felt about my body. It just felt like the next, really the only next logical step that I could take to like making this a full-time gig and like being able to to help people full-time. And I will say it is like the thing that I am so, so deeply grateful that I get to wake up and do every day. Sorry for the ramble. No, I love the ramble. And because you've talked about so many things, you've spoken about that like gym anxiety and imposter syndrome. And then having that environment of people, you you know, your now husband that helped pull you out of that and helped towards other goals about having multifaceted goals as well. I think in the fitness industry, we can get really hung up on aesthetic goals or non-goals like, oh, I'm coming to the gym because I know I probably should do something, but not actually having tangible goals. Exactly then moving through to your journey of actually like finding self-fulfillment as well, which can be so huge when it comes to your goals. So I love that you shared all of that. No, 
good. I'm glad. (laughs) Can you dive in? Because I know that a lot of people listening, they might be, you know, in their 20s or their 30s, and maybe they haven't found their spark yet. And the reason why they're not quite working towards their goals is because they are working a corporate job they hate, or they're in an environment that maybe isn't conducive to their health or their habits. How would you describe your journey of actually discovering what like lights you up? Yeah, I think for me, and I think the biggest thing too, that like I remind my clients of on a daily basis is that control your controllables, right? So I think we all have like such a tendency in life to be like, I'll be happy when. And it's a trap that I've fallen into so many times before of like, okay, like right now things are like so-so when I get this job or when I get this promotion or when I get in this new relationship or when I hit this target in the gym, whatever it is, then I'll allow myself to feel content with where I am. And so I think the biggest shift for me, and this was something that it took me years of therapy to get to. um, But once I realized that like I could take control of certain things that I could actually do and like be happy with where I am right now, but still accept that it may not be perfect. I would say that was like the biggest shift that I made. So like, even when I was working in a corporate job, right, I couldn't necessarily control that. And I didn't see a path out of that. But then lifting became this thing that I could control. That even if I woke up in the morning and I wasn't excited to go and commute on the train to New York City and work in financial consulting, I was excited when my alarm went off and it meant that I got to go and do a really heavy squat workout. And I could control that and then bring that energy into the rest of my day. So I think, again, really focusing on the things in your life that you can control and prioritizing those and making those positive, those things are then going to carry over into the other things and then really empower you to make those other shifts. Because a lot of times, if you're feeling really like so-so about like all of the facets of your life, it really doesn't make it easy to make a change. But if you can at least pick one thing that you can control, make that change there, it's really going to light you up and empower you to start making shifts in all of those other areas of your life. Yeah, that's such a good point. Controlling your controllables and that builds the momentum for other things. Because I feel like we do focus on that I'll be happier when and that drains so much of your energy to be able to do the things you want to do. Yeah, and exactly. And it's like, again, like, why wait? Like it's, I really feel, especially lately. So I'm turning 27 this year, which I feel, I know it sounds really young, but I feel like weird about it. Like now that I'm like, oh, I can't lie that I'm in my like mid twenties anymore. It's like (laughs) solidly late twenties. And so I'm feeling very much like, wow, time is really a thief. Like it's just going by Mm -hmm. so fast. And I spent a lot of time like waiting for the perfect moment to do things. And I've really, as cliche as it sounds, like realizing now that like you kind of just have to do it. There's never going to be a perfect time for it, but just kind of make it happen. And uh, it's served me well over the last year, I would say, especially. I'm so stoked for you, Carly. And I'm so Thank stoked you. to hear that <laughs> as well. And I think we we overestimate the concept of time as well, because I'm 30 and I still have... If I live to 90, I've still got 60 years of teaching people. And yeah. we see people... You know, If you're doing what you love, you don't want to retire. You want to continue educating and continue to teach people. But and still in saying that, you've got to be an intentional with every single moment because totally. if you're not intentional, then you're... Oh, what did my granddad said? He said, some people work, have 20 years experience. Some people have one year experience 20 times. <laughs> it's a good quote. <laughs> yeah, wise it's granddad. so true. Yeah, he is very wise. Something else that you spoke about was that your best friend, boyfriend, now husband, he's the one that actually got you into the heavier lifting. And yeah. you know what? I actually kind of 
I maybe I shouldn't be judgmental. I know I shouldn't be judgmental, but when I'm in the gym and I see a bloke, which is Australian for a man, yeah. um, I see a bloke helping out his girlfriend and they're doing like an I all isolated movements and I can see that she's not enjoying herself. I don't obviously go over, but some part of me is like, oh, I just really want to teach you all the I things. Know, and I like, know, I'm in the same boat optimized workout for you. Can you share kind of like your experience as a coach with, um, you know, women having mentors in the gym? Yeah, totally. Um, I will say, I mean, one shout out to my husband. I am, I'm really lucky in this domain. I think I've heard so many times, unfortunately from clients that like their partners are not super supportive when they Mm. start strength training because there is such a misconception, especially among women, that if you start lifting heavy, you're going to get bulky. And for whatever reason, that becoming an, you know, undesirable or unfeminine quality, um, amongst women, at least by the male gaze, which, you know, whatever, not, (laughs) not my opinion, but I, (laughs) I'm very lucky that my husband has always been super supportive. And when we go to the gym together, which is like one of our favorite things to do, like he is always pushing me to eke out one more rep. And like, he pushes Mm -hmm. me harder than sometimes I'm even able to push myself. So I will say huge shout out to him. Um, But no, it is definitely a, a huge barrier with the women that I work with, because when you think about like your like social and your relational environment, not aligning with the health and fitness goals that you've set out for yourself, it's just one more barrier that now you have to actually being able to Mm. stick to those and adhere to those. And that's really one of the like big elements of like this deep health coaching approach that I take with my clients of making sure that like your physical environment, your social environment, your relational environment are also aligning with the goals that you have and all of those other elements of your life. And I mean, it comes down to a couple of different things is like one is really understanding like why your goals are the way that they are. And if you're letting other people like tear those down and tell you you're not important, it requires you to like look a little bit deeper within yourself and understand like, why do I really care about these things? Because if they are surface level enough, at least at the moment that you're letting other people like get into your head and be like, you know, maybe I shouldn't be doing this. My job is to really dive deeper and be like, okay, but like, why did you want this in the first place? Like, sure, maybe you you came to me telling me you wanted to lose 10 pounds, but why is that important to you? How will your life look different if you actually achieve that? How will that make you feel? Um, And really like getting underneath the layers of why those things are important to people can often help transcend some of those more surface level criticisms that you'll see from others. But then the other big conversation that I have, especially when it comes to partners, because I think it's really important that your partners are supportive of you. One, yes, Mm -hmm. because it makes it easier for you to achieve your goals. But two, if it were me, I would have a really hard time being with a partner that was trying to tear down something that felt really important to me, even if they didn't understand it. So I definitely encourage my clients to have candid conversations with the people in their lives um, to say like, hey, these things are really important to me and here's why. And I really need your support to help me stick to those things. And 99 times out of 100, people have those conversations and the people in their lives didn't even realize that they were doing it. And they're Mm. really like, open to like listening to that and then jumping on board. But unfortunately, sometimes the reality is that if you do have somebody that after a conversation like that still isn't getting it, sometimes you have to sit and kind of evaluate that relationship a little bit more if they're Mm. not there to support you. Mm, I love 
all of those points that you brought up because they're so true, that social aspect, the relational aspect, then the physical aspects also important. I'd love to know more about this term deep health. So personally, deep health isn't a term I've heard. So what do you go through with a client when you're assessing their deep health? Totally. So basically like when we think of health, like it's, we, I think tend to think of the health as like physical health. Sometimes we think of your nutritional health, but in a traditional medical model, really what we're thinking of is like lack of sickness or lack of injury, but we're not thinking about like the intersection of all of the different pieces of your life that make you function optimally. So like when we think about deep health, there are six key elements that we consider here. So we've got your physical health, your emotional, your environmental, mental, existential, and relational. So I'll kind of give you a little bit of a snapshot of each of those. So your physical health is basically like, you know, exactly what you'd think. I think this is the most intuitive. So like, I feel healthy, I feel energized, I perform and I function well, right? That's like usually what we think about in terms of health. But then getting into some more of the like, I guess, woo-woo ones that like definitely sometimes people call them. We think about your emotional health. That's like, you know, I'm experiencing a full range of emotions, right? I feel, yes, excited and happy, but also I feel stressed sometimes and I feel anxious, but mostly I'm feeling calm and hopeful and positive. That would be like your optimal level of emotional health. And then environmental is just that like what's around me supports my health and well-being. So like thinking about when you come home at the end of the day, do you feel calm in your space or do you feel stressed in your space? And then also again, like, do you have access to like nutrient, nutrient dense foods, right? Like, are you close to like supermarkets that have access to those things? So even like more on like a granular level like that. Um, and then we have your mental health, which again, I think most people are familiar with, but really that you're feeling alert and focused and competent and thoughtful and that you're able to manage those wide range of emotions that you're feeling. Um, and then existential so that you're feeling a sense of meaning and purpose in your life, that you feel like you're working towards something with a sense mm. of greater good. And then the last one, which is really what we just touched on is that relational component so that you feel connected and you feel authentic in your relationships with others, but also that you feel supported and that you belong in those social circles. So that's kind of like all of the things that I think about there, all of the things that we're trying to get to coexist in harmony. But really what it is, is like all of those things are so strongly interconnected. So Mm. if you're struggling in one of them, there's a very likely chance that you're also struggling in another one. But in Mm. the same vein, going back to that idea of controlling the controllables, you might not be able to control all areas of those six elements of deep health. But if you can really dial in and focus on even bringing one of those things up, like turning that dial one notch, it's also going to play over and really help you improve in some of those other areas as well. So I work with my clients on helping them address all of those different facets of deep health, not just getting them in the gym, not just giving them a meal plan, but really making sure that they are having the most healthy, optimal overall lifestyle. Mm, I love that. That's exactly what holistic fitness is all about. And that framework of those six points is just so perfect because it's not just, I say eat, move, eat well, move well, breathe well, but the breathe well is really like the mindfulness. Yeah, exactly. The mental stuff. It's like all those things that work into helping you be able to breathe easily. And I think when it comes to being able to breathe easily, it's gaining awareness first. Like a lot of people aren't aware that their messy space is um, yeah. is contributing. Actually, I've just broken up from a four-year relationship and it's not until the end of that relationship and now that 
I'm starting to realize things what that were really detrimental to me. But when yeah. I was in it, I thought he was amazing. So I think yeah. your job as a coach is to bring awareness to people. So if someone's sitting and listening to this podcast, how would you suggest that people start bringing awareness to the things that are really like knocking them down so they can't do their habits? Yeah, no, I'm so glad that you mentioned awareness because I think this is like awareness is the first step in any part of your journey. Like you can't make a change if you're not aware that like something is in disarray. And I think so often people like jump past that step of awareness Mm. and they just want to go to changing. But then you're like not 100% like in tune with what actually needs to change. So honestly, like what I recommend with my clients and I do this, you know, a little bit more in a guided fashion in the term, like fashion of like weekly check-ins and things where I'm asking really targeted questions to clients that are getting them to like forcibly a little bit, like (laughs) dive deeper into those areas that we're targeting. But really what I recommend to people is almost doing a little bit of an audit of all of those areas of your life, right? Like sitting down and for me, like I do really like journaling. I'm somebody that like, I have so many thoughts like whizzing through my brain at a million miles an hour and writing things out for me helps like slow down that inner dialogue and let me be a little bit more reflective. But I encourage everybody like do what feels natural and authentic for you. So I have some clients that will do like voice memos for themselves, some that will write it down, some that will just like kind of think it and have that internal dialogue with themselves. But don't be afraid to perform a little bit of an audit of the things in your life. And you can use those six key elements of like deep health as a framework of to kind of walk through, okay, like how is my physical health right now? Am I moving well? Do I have any injuries? Am I pain-free? Okay, check. How is my emotional health? And just kind of work your way down that list and think about what each of those things mean in the context of your very specific life. Um, Mm. You have to really make it fit your lifestyle and like get specific with it. I'm not talking like surface level, like, oh yeah, no, I'm in therapy. And like, you know, I talk once a week and things are going pretty well. I'm talking like really dive into it, right? Like how is my relationship treating me? When is the last time we had an argument? How did we solve that Mm. argument? Like, was this healthy? Like really diving into like the very granular aspects of it. But I'm a big fan of doing like a, a deep health audit. Yeah. And that's awesome. And I love that you mentioned those specific questions because it's a lot easier to answer, when was my last argument? How often do we argue? How was it resolved? As opposed to like, how are my relationships? Because exactly. you just want to go, that's a one word answer. Yeah, they're good. Exactly. Yeah. We want to like really like drive yourself towards more open-ended questions and answers because yes and no, we we use those as scapegoats a lot of the times. And so like my clients will know this and they'll laugh if they're listening to this, but like I will never usually accept a one word answer unless it's like a, was today a training day? Yes, great. I'll take that one. But like everything that you're going to get from me is going to be very open-ended and it's going to be like the goal is to make you dive deeper on everything and really get it like the underlying why. Because if you can get at the underlying why and really internalize why those things are important, to you and why you want to make those changes, it makes it so much easier to sustain them over the longer term than just the, I should change this. Why should you change this? Why is it important to change this? We're always like drilling down. I love that. And I love that. I'm sure your psychology degree helps you a lot with that. Like really, (laughs) really like, and I think because I, I studied psychology as well. And I know as a coach, like that's 
what my clients were most grateful for was being able to figure out why and the root cause of everything. But something else as a coach, and if you're listening in relationships that I find helpful is silence. Uh, sometimes asking a question and then being silent, people will explain. And and I guess that's a good tip for everyone listening as well. If the answer doesn't come to you straight away, when you ask yourself the question, sit with it because it'll yeah. come eventually. <laughs> Totally. I'm like a chronic over talker and also a chronic overthinker. And I'm somebody that is like so ready to like spew out answers immediately. But I know for myself, like, especially when it comes to relationships, like if Michael and I are bickering about something, I need to take a few seconds to like really Mm. pause and reflect on what I'm saying and make sure that I'm saying the right things and that the words that are coming out of my mouth and the way that they're coming out of my mouth reflect what I actually feel and how I want to convey myself. Mm. Um, So being a little bit more intentional about pretty much everything, um, but it's definitely helped in the relationship context, has been a good lesson (laughs) the last few years. (laughs) Oh, I bet. And I love that level of intention as well. Something you mentioned earlier that we kind of touched on now was the, um, is goal setting in general. And I think certainly my experience as a coach, most people were coming because they wanted to change something about their body. They weren't sure. completely company, uh, comfortable and it was aesthetic based. But listening to your story, it seemed to be aesthetic based in the beginning. You started doing some some hit workouts, but then you yeah. realized and what's kind of set you along this really consistent trajectory is that it was more mental health based and more like how much you can lift. Can you talk more about different measurements that people can use um, totally. for success of the gym? Yeah, no, great question. I'm stoked to talk about this. So yeah, I'm in the same boat that I have tons of clients and I would say 99% of my clients come to me with some sort of an aesthetic goal, either that they want to lose X number of pounds or that they want to gain X number of pounds of muscle, whatever it is. And a lot of times, because this is really the only metric we have for that, those goals are tied to the scale, right? And that is... I think for most coaches, a real pain point because we all know how (laughs) unreliable and especially just like unilaterally focused the scale number is. Um, And so one of the things that I work on with clients, and again, kind of going back to the idea of like this deep health coaching is that the scale or like the amount of weight that you have on your body, that is just one metric of what we're Mm. thinking about. And yes, absolutely, it's not to say that those goals are invalid or that you shouldn't have aesthetic goals. But again, it's understanding why are those aesthetic goals important to me. So I started working with a client recently who really wants to lose that last 10 pounds, which I think is, again, a really common thing amongst a lot of women. And, you know, I asked her, why is it important for you to lose those last 10 pounds? And she's like, well, I just, I think that like, you know, I'd fit in this dress better and then I'd feel better about myself. And I was like, okay, well, why is that important to you? And she's like, huh, well, I guess for a lot of my life, I've tied a lot of my worth to the way that I look. And so I guess that would make me feel like a more worthy person. And Mm. it was that level of understanding that was really helpful for her to know, but then also for us to dive into and unpack, like, why was her sense of self-worth so tied to the way that she looked? And again, that not that there's anything wrong with that, but then I used that as a vehicle to then be able to talk about all of the other things that make her worthy outside of just the way that she looks, but then also all of the other things that we can focus on to help her feel better and then feel better in all other aspects of her life and not just be so focused on that aesthetic goal. So 
of things that I work on with my clients outside of just the aesthetics. So we track a lot of different things in terms of like your biofeedback. So basically Mm. like the little hints that your body is telling you about how it's feeling. Um, So like in my daily check-ins with client, we're going through things like how many hours you're sleeping, how well you're sleeping, how sore you're feeling, how hungry you are, how stressed you are, what your energy levels are like throughout the day. And clients start to realize over time that seeing improvements and seeing wins in all of those other areas of their lives makes such a bigger difference, not only in helping them reach the aesthetic goals, but for so many clients, it starts to usurp the aesthetic goals in terms of importance. They're like, oh my God, like I'm sleeping so much better. I wake up, I'm less groggy. I have so much more energy. And then it snowballs because they have so much more energy. They're so much more motivated to get into the gym. They're so Mm. much more motivated to eat well because they're in the gym. So it really like goes hand in hand. But then it's also like, okay, maybe when weight loss is slower than people anticipate, because it always is when you do things sustainably, they have all of these other things to latch on to of like, okay, yeah, like I feel really good. I'm not hungry all the time. I'm managing my stress really well. I'm having these mindful minutes throughout the day. And so it helps diversify your goals and give you other things to think about and feel good about. And again, like tie your worth to a little bit more outside of just the way that you look. Mm, There's so many nuggets there, Carly. I'm so glad you brought those up. because. It's so true with, and there's nothing wrong. Like, you, so your client around wanting to lose the 10 pounds, I'm not totally. going to lie. My worth is attached to the way I look. And it's Me because too. I've been told I'm so beautiful or I'm not beautiful or whatever. You know, I think as a woman, definitely you, you know, your beauty is, is unfortunately attached to your self-worth. Um, it's an inevitability just in the yeah. world that we live in. Yeah. For sure. But finding those other other ways. And I love, I, I want to dive into the sleep aspect of things. Yeah. So you mentioned sleep as one of the, the markers of, of biofeedback. Totally. Why is that an important metric for you to track? Totally. Yeah. So sleep is an important metric because it is just so ludicrously important and how it affects everything else that we do. Um, mm. Trust me, I wish that I needed to sleep less. I am somebody that like <laughs> wants to try to eke out every second of every day. And like, if I could sleep less and have more time, that would be awesome. But I know that I am not functioning optimally if I'm not getting at least my eight hours of sleep a night. So Mm. when I have clients that come to me and they're like, I'm not performing well in the gym, my numbers aren't going up or like the weight isn't coming off. And then you look at like, you're sleeping consistently five hours a night and you're rating your sleep quality at like a two, like that's probably why you're not waking up in the morning ready to smash your workouts. And similarly, that's why you're waking up in the morning and you don't feel super well equipped to manage your stress throughout the day. It's like sleep is the foundation that we build everything on. Like if we think about like, body changes overall as a pyramid, right? Like people think the base of the pyramid is like that you're timing your nutrients properly or that you're like foam rolling or you're doing cold showers. But really the Mm. base of the pyramid is that you're like eating nutrient dense foods that you're moving your body and that you're sleeping well. Um, And sleep is just like really what allows you to have the energy to do everything else that you need to do for the rest of the day. So if you can improve your sleep, you feel better, you function better, and therefore you move better, you eat better, you exercise better, you stress manage better. It's really the foundation for like everything. Hey, Holistic Fitness fam, a quick message from one of our sponsors, Ned. As you all know, I recommend good nutrition, movement and stress management practices before supplementing. So you know what type of supplementation that your body actually needs. For me, I supplement with very few products, but Ned is one of them. 
I'm a type A, high energy, ambitious business girly with massive goals. And sometimes I honestly just need to chill out and relax a bit. I've found that both Ned's de-stress and sleep blends fit in with my busy lifestyle and ambitious goals, but I was honestly not a big fan of CBD products before trying Ned, mostly because of the culture surrounding weed. I just didn't want something that was going to alter my state of mind so that I became much less of a goal-getter or less ambitious. That was until I learned about full-spectrum hemp and their benefits. Ned blends a chock full of premium CBD and a full-spectrum hemp of active cannabinoids. Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil nourishes the body's endocannabinoid system to offer functional support for stress, sleep, inflammation, and balance. These products are science-backed, nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. All of Ned's full-spectrum hemp oil is extracted from USDA-certified organic hemp plants grown by an independent farmer named Jonathan in Colorado. I'm obviously a big fan, but don't take just my word for it. Ned CBD products have over 2,000 five-star reviews, and they work with incredible partners in the medical field like Dr. Caroline Leaf, Dr. Christian Gonzalez, and Dr. Will Cole. Ned is providing Holistic Fitness podcast listeners a very special discount. If you'd like to give Ned a try, listeners get 15% off Ned products with the code Lori Lee, L-O-R-I-L-E-E. Thanks, Ned, for sponsoring the show and offering a natural remedy to bring balance to so many people's well-being. I am so aligned with you, Carly. And I honestly (laughs) wish that that was like as important and as out there as fitness and nutrition, because you're you're going to be if you're you haven't slept well, you're going to go for the sugar, you're going to go for the carbs, exactly. you're going to and never feel satisfied. You're going to have a really shitty experience in the gym, and then be less likely to go and have more gym anxiety because you know, right your hormones aren't in balance. And, and also instead, yeah, no, instead of going back and like being like, oh, I didn't sleep well. And that's why all of those downstream effects happened. You're going to blame your workout. You're going to blame your lack of (laughs) self-control. And then it just like spirals and you like continue to put band-aids on things and don't actually like treat the root cause. It's so toxic. And I don't think a lot of people realize as well the magic that's happening in sleep. Like not just cognitively, but that's when our growth hormones release. So if you are actually, if you are actually wanting to build muscle, which Spoiler alert, if you want to, and I'm saying this in air quotes, tone up, tone. that's building yeah. muscle. Um, <laughs> um, you know, you need to have good sleep. So I just love that, you know, you're so holistic when you're training your yeah. clients and think about all these different things. Yeah. And I think a lot of that too, like I have to give a huge shout out to like my mom on that and just the Mm. way that I was raised. Like my mom is a nurse. So like she, I grew up with her working again in like this traditional Western model, but she, I think is, was well beyond her time and like her pursuit of more like holistic remedies when we were growing up and not necessarily just taking everything that every doctor told us at face value. Mm. And she was the person that really my whole life gave me the emphasis on like food as medicine and more just like holistic lifestyle changes as medicine rather than just jumping to like more traditional medical interventions. So I think a lot of the way that like I was raised helped shape really the like views that I have now and the huge part of the way that I coach now. Mm. 
I'd love to dive into this food as medicine because I know that you've recently had a precision nutrition qualification. And this is a very broad question, Carly. Totally. But when you think of nutrition, what type of advice or what sort of things are you looking at with a client first to help improve their nutrition? Yeah. So this goes back to the idea of awareness, right? So the mm-hmm. very first thing that I do with clients when they come to me to, you know, do nutrition coaching is that we work to build awareness around the foods that you're already eating. So mm-hmm. intuitive eating is such a like hot button topic right now. Everybody's like, I don't want to track macros. I just want to eat intuitively. But the reality is you can't eat intuitively if you are not aware of the foods that you're putting into your body. So the first thing that I do is I have start clients start self-reporting the foods that they're already eating without changing a single thing about what they're currently doing in their diet. Usually they come to me and they get a little bit like defensive the first couple of weeks. They're like, wait, like I thought you were supposed to give me targets and this and that. I'm like, well, we're going to get there. But like, I don't know what, we don't know what to change if I don't know what you're already currently doing. And then my approach to nutrition really comes back to like sustainability. It's the idea of like your nutrition plan needs to fit your lifestyle and not the other way around. So like as much as I wish that like going to the gym every single day of the week was the way that you're going to build muscle and lose fat. Yes, it's the way that you're going to build muscle, but fat loss and like major body composition changes really come down to what you are doing nutritionally. And the way that you get people to make long lasting changes is you make small sustainable changes that you can stick to consistently over time. So yes, I definitely use macro tracking with my clients as a tool, right? For building awareness around the foods that you're eating. But most of what I'm doing is helping you establish small, sustainable habits so that you feel confident going out to eat at a restaurant. You feel confident going to that birthday party and having a slice of cake, but knowing that like it aligns with your goals and you know how to set up the rest of your day so that you can do it mindfully in a way that fits in with everything else. Mm, I love that framework, awareness first, and then finding out what we can tweak over time. And I think that a lot of people, they are so adverse. And even one of my friends I'm thinking of right now, really adverse to using my fitness pal because they don't want to become obsessed. They don't want to become so obsessed and be tracking everything. But if you think about how you do your budget, the first way you do your budget is to look through all of your transactions. What you're spending, yeah. And then start categorizing them. So, you know, you look through everything you're eating and then maybe you categorize in lots of carbs, you know, not as much proteins, a little bit of fat, you know, and that's how change actually happens. And it's not to say, hey, you can never have Uber Eats, you can never go out and eat. It's figuring out how much money you want to delegate to to that. And if we look at it more as in like a transaction, like how are you going to budget if you don't know where you're spending your money? It's the same with your calorie budget. No, I think that's a great analogy. And yeah, I mean, again, like would I love it for like eventually every single one of my clients to be able to get to a point where like they are not married to my fitness pal. Mm. Absolutely. But you, the reality is that like, if you have like fitness goals, if you have body composition goals, you need to be thinking about your nutrition. And if you want to get to a point where you don't have to be married to an app like that, you need to use an app like that in the short term. So you know, the foods that you're actually eating. So like, mm. you know, don't get me wrong. Like I have done all of the different fad diets. I was on keto for a period of time. <laughs> I'm embarrassed to even say, and I've also gone down my own path of definitely being far too obsessive about my macros and being like stressed about going out for like an anniversary dinner because I'm like, oh my God, I don't know what's on the menu and how much oil they're cooking with and like literally having an anxiety attack about it. But it took like 
years and years of using those tracking apps so that now I can go out to eat and I can look at a plate and be like, oh yeah, this looks like roughly 50 grams of this and roughly hundred grams of this. Mm. And like, okay, cool. That fits in well for the day. So I would, what I would say is like one for my clients who are worried or for anybody out there who's worried about becoming too obsessive about anything, really just look at it as a data point, right? Like that's all any of these things are. And that's why like the macros or your scale weight are just one metric in a whole slew of metrics that we're tracking on top of the sleep and the stress and the energy and everything else. And it's all of those things put together that really paint the bigger picture of how you are overall functioning. But then there are, I will say, definitely some people especially when I have clients, you know, that come to me that have, you know, previous history with eating disorders, for example, where I know that tracking can easily lead to a more obsessive place. It's not to say tracking is the only option. There's lots of other strategies that I work to implement with clients that help them build awareness around their food and help them feel empowered and know how to build a healthy plate and nourish their body that aren't married to numbers. So I'm happy to like talk about some of those strategies if you think your audience might be interested in hearing some of that. Yeah, for sure. I think like personally for me, I know like if I go out and I'm having tacos and I'm a vegetarian, like I look at things in terms of macronutrients. I'm like, okay, jackfruit isn't the best thing because if I have jackfruit and that's my protein, I said that in air quotes, that's actually carbs. (laughs) Like there's no, there's hardly any protein. So I know that for myself, but how without counting, do you help clients be able to assess what's on their plate? Totally. Yeah. So one of the great tools I will say that I learned from Precision Nutrition is like equating macros basically to like hand size portions. Mm. So everybody has a hand that they bring with them everywhere. And you can think about portion sizing for your plate, basically using your hands. So like one portion of protein basically is the palm of your hand. One portion of carbs you're looking at is like a cupped handful. And one portion of fat is roughly the size of your thumb. So I actually have some clients that... I don't give them numbers for the day. I give them, you know, six palms of protein or eight cupped handfuls of carbs. So I have some clients that work like that. That's still definitely in a little bit more of a tracking domain. But even outside of that, like there are just primary strategies that I use with clients, even those who are tracking for like when they go on a tracking break or when they go out to dinner. So really big ones are just like learning what a plate should look like, right? So if we think about like your plate as like your full 100%, working on like driving your meal, starting with your protein source, right? Protein being the most critical macronutrient, especially when it comes to building muscle and something that so many people are chronically under eating. This applies a great example when you go out to eat, make the first thing that you do, focus on your protein source. So like find a protein that you do. So like for me, like I don't cook a ton of seafood at home, but I love love seafood. So usually when I go out to eat, I'm picking like an awesome piece of fish. Then you add your carb source from there. And then you add like your fun fat source and your sauces and things like that. So even just like having a little bit more awareness around the composition of your plate and then little things like learning how to build awareness around your portion sizes. So I encourage people to like slow down their eating. We eat so quickly and we eat in front Mm. of the TV and so many distractions, learning to be a little bit more intentional. And it's an opportunity to be a little bit more mindful too, of like really thoroughly chewing your food, like establishing like mm, the textures and the tastes and like really enjoying each bite. And then learning to eat to like 
when you're an eight out of 10 full. And this one is a huge one that I've learned when I'm going out to eat. Like I love eating. Like, trust me, I have such a sweet tooth. And like, I am somebody who will go out to eat and the portion sizes are massive. And I am like, I'm going to finish the whole plate and I'm going to eat it so fast. And then by the time I finish, I'm stuffed and I haven't even like my body hasn't even had the time to send the hormonal signals to tell me that I'm full. So learning to eat a little bit slower and trying to eat until I'm like an eight out of 10, taking a couple minutes, let your body like actually digest the food, let your body send the hormonal cascade to tell your that you're actually full or not full before you continue. It's like little things like that. Really start with your protein, slow it down a little be a little bit more mindful about the food you're eating. Little strategies like that can go such a long way. Mm, yeah. You're so great at breaking things down into like really quick, actionable items, which Thank I you. love. And that's slowing it down, isn't it? Doesn't it take like 20 minutes or something for the hormonal signal to like... Yeah, it does. Don't, yeah, like don't I feel like we the, eat crazy quick. <laughs> yeah, don't quote me on the exact amount of time, but I think 20 minutes or so is about, about where right. we're at. Is it like... We will sometimes, or most of the time, finish a meal before your body even has a chance to tell you that you're full. Mm. So like, I don't know how many times it's happened to you that like, you'll be sitting at a restaurant, right? And you'll eat like the bread and you'll eat the appetizers. And then immediately your entree comes out and then you go right down to the entree and then they come back so quickly and you go to order your dessert and you're like, well, I'm still hungry. Of course I'm going to order dessert. And then they give you like that little bit of downtime. And then all of a sudden your dessert gets there and you're like, I'm kind of full now, but like, oh, I guess it's here. I'm going to keep eating. Like sometimes all it takes is just slowing down. And if you feel like you're still hungry after you eat, wait five or 10 minutes, have a couple of sips of water and just wait and see if you're actually hungry instead of just getting in the habit of like eating just because you can. It's like being a little bit more intentional about it. Mm, yeah, that makes total sense. Intention is so important when you yeah. when it comes to eating. I want to dive back into something that you mentioned earlier. You were mentioning about like your own personal qualities, how you can yeah. talk a lot and stuff like that. And it made me think <laughs> about like how I'm an extrovert, Enneagram 7. And it made me think of different like personality styles in the gym and personality yeah. styles exercising. And personally, I found like the same workout isn't the best for everyone. Can you dive more into why fitness should look different for everyone. Yeah, totally. I couldn't agree more. And I think like this mirrors a lot of what I was talking about in the nutrition perspective of like, there's no one size fits all diet for everybody. There's no like one size fits all approach of what's going to click. And there's no one size fits all fitness routine for you because nobody has the exact same life. So the Mm -hmm. same way that I said earlier that like your nutrition needs to fit your lifestyle that you, so that you can remain consistent. The same thing is true with fitness, right? So like I could write the best, most, you know, optimal. And I say that in quotes, workout program for you, right? Where you're in the gym five days a week and it's the perfect split and you got the exact optimized amount of rest periods and you're doing these great dynamic warmups and all of this cool down and everything. But like, if that doesn't fit your life because you can't get that done before you drop your kids off at school or before you have to hop on the train to work and five days a week doesn't work for you because you're running this really hectic schedule, like it doesn't matter if that's the best routine, right? Ultimately, Mm. you can't do it consistently. So it's not the best routine for you. I think people forget, like we get so caught up in like the best of the best and like the exact scientific rationale behind everything that like we forget that like the main, the most important scientific underpinning for fitness and nutrition is just consistency. And that something is always better than nothing. So like sometimes people are like, oh, well, I can't do the perfect fitness plan. So like, I'm just going to do nothing at all. And then like, 
great. You're doing nothing. You're not making any changes. So like, sure, maybe you can't get to the gym five days a week for two hours a session, but you can do probably three days a week for 15 or 20 minutes. And I'd rather you see that than do nothing at all. So really the like TLDR on that is like, there's no one size fits all fitness plan because there's no one size fits all life. You have to do what fits your lifestyle, not what fit your life 10 years ago or what you wish your life looked like. You got to do what you can do consistently. And that's going to look a little bit different for everybody. Mm. The best program you can do is the program you will do. And exactly. I think- one thing that you said was about people wanting the perfect fitness plan. They consume media. They're like, this is what I need to do. And they intellectualize it. And as you mentioned, they'll be like, okay, so all the dynamic stretching, and then I need this, and I need this rest. Then I move into passive stressing. And that's a two-hour routine. How do you help people break it down to do what's realistic rather than to do what's idealistic? Yeah. And so again, I feel like I keep going back to the deep health coaching, but it really is like the underpinning (laughs) of everything that I do. So like anytime I start working with a new client, like the first thing that we do is a really in-depth questionnaire. We're like, yes, we're talking about like your training history. I want to hear how many days a week you've been training and how many days a week you want to train and where you train and for how long and all of that stuff. But I need to hear about all of the other elements of your life that make you unique, right? Like I need to hear about how many hours a week you're working. I ask a question about like, hey, like tell me about your job. Tell me about all of the unpaid work you do around the house. Do you have (laughs) children? Do you volunteer? Who does your grocery shopping? Like it's hearing about like all of the things that make up all of those elements of deep health. And then once I get a better picture of like what deep health looks like for you and where you're sitting and all of those six different facets, then we can start painting a more realistic picture of what you can do consistently. So I'll give you a really good example is like I'm working with a client and she is just currently in the pits with her job, right? Like she really wants to find a new job. Her stress levels are through the roof. Her commute has gotten crazy long. So she's now getting home really late and she plays roller derby. And those practices have been running a lot later than they have in the past. And so When we originally started working together, we had the idea that she was going to be able to train four days a week. So I wrote her a program that even had a little bit of flexibility on that. So she was on a a three-day-a-week program, a push-pull leg split with an optional fourth day that was a full-body day. But with all of the stress that she was feeling in her life, it was causing a ton of GI distress. So she wasn't feeling really well. And she was exhausted because she wasn't sleeping really well because of all of this stress. And then as a result, she was really only training like one or two days a week. And obviously, I'm stoked that she's getting those one or two days a week in despite all of those other things that are happening. But the reality was that she was only hitting like a push pull and the next week she might hit like a legs and she wasn't training all of those body parts with that same frequency. So instead of looking at her and being like, you know, you're kind of not doing a great job right now because you're not fitting this program. Instead, we looked and we were like, you know what? This program is not fitting the season of life that you're in right now. And so Mm. instead of being on that four-day-a-week program, we transitioned her to a -a three-day-a-week all days are full body. So that way, if she only hits one training session in a week, she's still hitting every single muscle group. And if she hits two sessions in a week, now she's hitting every single muscle group twice. And so we're able to hit more volume across and give her more flexibility. So that way, instead of feeling bad that she's not hitting the sessions and that she's not hitting her goals, we make the program fit her life, not her life fit the program. Mm, I love that. And if I'm going to put like my my leadership hat on right now, my corporate girly hat on right now, (laughs) it's about blaming the process and not the person. 
Yeah. Um, and I'm so massive on that when it comes to leading teams or when it comes to fitness. Like, how can we adjust the process rather than blaming the human that's trying to execute that this process that clearly exactly. isn't working for them? Exactly. Yeah. And like, again, if you're not able to stick to the like goals that you've set for yourself, try scaling it back. So like mm. one of the favorite things that I do with clients is like creating 100% versions of their goals, but then also creating 50% versions, even 10% versions. Because again, it goes back to this like very all or nothing mindset of like, well, if I can't do everything, then I can't do anything at all. But the reality is like, that's very like hello fixed mindset, right? And we really mm. want you to have more of this like growth mindset mentality of like, I can tackle this despite what's going on. So like, for example, for this client, if her 100% goal is that she's training three days a week and that she's doing her 45 minute to an hour training sessions. We also talked about what might a smaller version of this goal look like. Mm. So if you come home from school one night and you're like, I just do not have 45 minutes in me, what does a smaller version look like? And for her, that smaller version, her husband has like the VR Oculus and there's like a game that she can play on there where like it gets her heart rate up. She can do 10, 15 minutes, get a little bit of a sweat on and it's fun and it doesn't feel like work. Great. That's the smaller version of the goal. So even if she can't mm. do the full version, she can do 25%. And 25% is still a hell of a lot better than 0%. Yes. So it's really just doing what you can. Again, controlling the controllables. Yeah, that's awesome. That's so. That's the second time in one week I've heard about this percentage. So in my goal-getting yeah. journal, I talk about setting minimums and maximum goals. So yeah. your absolute. think about your absolute worst week. Like what can you execute? in terms yeah. of your goal on your worst week and then your absolute best week. But he said the same thing as you. There's a 100% goal, a 66% goal, a 33% goal and a 10% goal. And I yeah. quite like that because it gives you like a little bit more flexibility about because you're not going to be feeling 100% every day. That's just a reality. Yeah. But like, what can you do when on the days you're like 10%, you, you know, you're yeah. just at capacity in other areas. And, and, and again, that workout is great. Yeah. And again, too, like that's how you build the habit consistently. And ultimately that's how you make the biggest change. So like on the days when you're feeling a hundred percent motivated and you go and you smash your a hundred percent goal, that's amazing. But it's the day when you really don't feel motivated that you still get it done. That counts, frankly, even more than those other days. Cause like you hear it all the time. Like you can't rely on motivation. You got to rely on discipline. So you have to really work to build that discipline. And so when you have those goals where like you do even a small part of it, it helps build that confidence that you are capable, you are competent, you can do things consistently. And that's going to help you build a sense of self-efficacy. That's going to help promote that growth mindset. And that's what's going to help you stay consistent and build a habit that like puts it on autopilot, that like even on a day when you feel crappy and you don't want to do it, you do it just because it's so ingrained in your routine. Yes. Oh my goodness. I, like I was just consuming all of that, just like wow, like <laughs> like it's like oh, I could speak to you for ages, Carly. You, I know, me too. <laughs> you're so, like you're such an amazing holistic coach. You you honestly you. embody holistic fitness, and I know that you'll be helping your clients so much. We do have a closing question on this yeah, podcast, yeah. but before we get to it, is there anything that you wanted to share with the audience today that you felt like you haven't shared yet? Hmm. Good question. I mean, I guess like if there's any like parting thing that I could leave you with. And I guess something that I feel like has summarized my journey in a lot of different ways is like, 
to just get started um, and to just do the damn thing. And I feel like I've alluded to that in a lot of different ways here of like, something is better than nothing and like stay consistent and like make it part of your disciplined routine. Right. But like it, the same applies to like the plunge that I took into being a full-time coach or the plunge that I took into strength training. Like you just kind of have to get started and trust yourself even when it feels like scary and unknown. Um, It's super, super cliche, but like just trust yourself and do it and like attack things that you want to make happen and just kind of stick with them. And I would say that's kind of like the the parting thought, I think that kind of ties everything together. Yeah. And it's so true uh, because we all feel that fear and a lot of people succumb to it. But when you don't succumb to it, you actually lean into it and trust yourself. That's where the magic happens. Totally. Mm. The closing question, Carly, is if you were talking to your 20-year-old self right now, you could give her one sentence of advice, what would you tell her? Uh, I would tell her to trust herself and follow the path that she thinks that she should be on, not the one that everybody else charts out for her. Mm. Honestly, same. Like, (laughs) I I definitely like relate to your story in so many ways. I, I too followed the path that, and I think you're quite impressionable at that age, but I think that's awesome advice. Yeah. I mean, it just, again, it, it shaped so much of my early twenties and it's, it's kind of silly looking back at it now that like I was, I was 20, five, just turning 26 when I quit my last corporate job and made this transition. And I was like, it's too late. I'm already too deep in this. I can't make this change. And like, again, it was just from years and years of doing what I thought that I was supposed to do and just not being super stoked on it. Um, And once I finally like did the thing that I felt like I was supposed to do that felt right for me and started doing things my own way, that's when things started clicking and working out and like actually like aligning with my own goals and building the life that like I am excited to wake up and live every day. It was when I was following what I thought I was supposed to do that I woke up and I wasn't super excited about it. So again, I would go back and just say, trust yourself. Like, you know yourself better than anybody else. I may be an expert in health and fitness. You may be talking to somebody else who's an expert in any other thing, but you're the only person that's an expert in your own life and you have to trust that. Mm, Yeah, I felt that deeply. (laughs) <laughs> and that's the existential yeah. health marker, isn't it? Exactly. So it is. It. It's yeah, exactly yeah, yeah. that. <laughs> Way to tie it back. <laughs> yeah. I love it so much. I'm sure so many people are so curious about your work and would love to follow everything yeah. you do. How do we get in touch with you? How do we learn more about your coaching programs, Kelly? Absolutely. Yeah. I would love to have you guys follow along with the journey. So two main places you can find me are going to be at my website and on Instagram. So on my website is just www.moxybarbell.com. So Moxie Barbell is my online coaching brand, really all about like everything we've talked here today, that holistic health and fitness coaching of really just like building a sustainable plan that's going to help you fit your goals. So if you are curious to learn more about one-on-one coaching, check out the website. You can learn a little bit more about my approach. And then you can also take our application quiz there to schedule your free one-on-one introductory call to learn a little bit more about everything that we offer. Um, and then if you want to give me a follow on Instagram, it's just at Moxie Barbell. Um, I do a ton of reels about like mistakes I used to make in the gym and all kinds of different like health and fitness and habit related tips. So it's been pretty fun getting into the social media space. I will say it was begrudgingly at first, but now I'm (laughs) I'm finding it to be pretty fun. So would love to have you follow along. And I do love your reels as well. They are super holistic. It's, it's, you you know, while moving more often and eating well is definitely something we all know we should do. Like you, you tie a lot of your reels talk about sleep and, and 
social environments and all the, all the fun stuff we've just spoken about. Exactly. Well, it's been wonderful to have you on the podcast, Carly. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me, Laurie. It was a blast. No worries. And for everyone listening at home or in the car or wherever you are today, eat well, move well, breathe well. And until next time, keep shining. Keep shining.